Volume One, Chapter Twelve of Celestina. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. Celestina by Charlotte Turner Smith. Volume One, Chapter Twelve while these things were passing at cambridge and in london celestina underwent the cruelest anxiety at not hearing from mrs melano but all her conjunctures ended in the painful conclusion that the preparations and celebration of willoughby's marriage entirely engaged her and prevented her writing all her reason was now summoned to support her against the shock which the certainty of this event would give her with a beating heart and in breathless agitation she ran over the paper which once a week a travelling newsman brought in from exeter and where she knew the marriage of a man of so much consequence in the neighbourhood would not fail to be inserted no such intelligence however appeared and celestina imagining that the marriage had notwithstanding certainly taken place endeavoured since she could not conquer her regret to divert it by trying what she could to do towards softening the sorrows and relieving the distresses of the unfortunate jessie whose patient endurance of evils evidently severer than her own whose fortitude in tearing herself perhaps for ever from the man she loved and sacrificing the indulgence of her affliction to her interest made celestina sometimes ashamed of the murmurs she found excited in her heart by less inconveniences and blush at the reluctance with which she had submitted to the loss of a man whose regard for her seemed already to have yielded to the influence of a pecuniary advantage and family convenience but in despite of every argument she could bring to subdue the pain arising from the recollection of lost happiness and totally silence from the siren voice of hope which now and then presided the possibility of more favourable days the uncertainty whether the event to which she laboured to become reconciled had really happened disturbed and rendered her restless and uneasy jessie to whom she now sent to desire her company for a little time joyfully accepted the summons and in her company celestina felt great satisfaction though she had never disclosed to her any part of the sorrow that oppressed her or given the remotest hint of her attachment to willoughby all the indulgence she allowed herself was that of sometimes choosing to walk towards a knoll at the extremity of the common which afforded an extensive view towards the west from thence by the help of a telescope lent her by her landlord celestina had discovered a clump of firs in alvastone park and although they were near ten miles distant 
and without a glass appeared only a dark spot above the rest of the landscape she found a melancholy pleasure in distinguishing them and would frequently as she leant on jessie's arm in their pensive rambles fix her eyes on that distant object gaze on it steadily for two or three minutes and then with a deep sigh turn away and walk silently home she encouraged however the artless jessie to talk to her of cathcart the poor girl pleased with every opportunity of repeating his name and flattered by the tender interest christina took in their story was never weary of speaking of him she at length acquired confidence enough to produce some of the letters he wrote to her and celestina who had very naturally inputted much of the praise jessie had bestowed on his writing and on his style to the fond partiality of her affection for him was surprised to find in these letters the most manly clear and sensible style she had almost ever met with the generous emulation which approved between these lovers their disinterested tenderness and the steadiness of their mutual attachment raised celestina's admiration and even respect and every hour increased her inclination to contribute to their happiness but those intentions she had no way of executing but by means of willoughby who was as she knew from long experience ever ready to befriend the unfortunate and on such an occasion she thought this, that as soon as he was married she might without any impropriety address herself to him and as the farm which old wingington the grandfather of jessie possessed adjourned to his estate at alveston celestina imagined he could hardly fail of having some influence which she knew he would be ready to exert for her unfortunate friend in mediating how to administer to the afflictions of others her own sorrows were at least mitigated but the calm she outwardly assumed was the mere effort of resolution while her anxiety to hear of willoughby and of his sister increased every hour and as the delay grew more uncountable it became almost unsupportably painful it was now the beginning of march the weather was uncommonly cold and dreary and a deep snow which had fallen some days before had confined celestina and her companion almost entirely to the house it was very unusual to see any person pass by the house near which there was no public road and the inclemency of the season rendered it still less frequent jessie therefore who went to the window by accident to fetch some work that lay there mentioned to celestina as a matter of some surprise that two foot-passengers who had the appearance of gentlemen were crossing the common towards the house celestina who was at that moment meditating with her eyes fixed on the fire on the long long space of time that had elapsed since she had heard of willoughby 
and on all the events that might have taken place in that period gave very little attention to this intelligence and on jessie's repeating it answered that probably it was some persons who had lost their way in the snow and were coming to the house for directions to retain the to regain the road to jessie however the idea of cathcart was ever present one of the strangers was not unlike him in figure that she fancied though both were wrapped in great coats and the possibility of his having come to search for her had no sooner struck her than with eager eyes and a beating heart she watched every step they took at length they entered the little gate that divided the garden of the house from the common jessie was then convinced that neither of them were cathcart but her curiosity was strongly excited and listening to the questions they put to the servant who went to the door she distinctly heard one of them inquire for miss de moray celestina was now in her turn alarmed and trembling though she knew not why she desired jessie to go down and ask who it was but before she could be obeyed the door opened and she saw with emotions to which language cannot do justice willoughby himself the first idea that struck her was that he was come to announce his marriage and the air of triumph and satisfaction his countenance wore seemed to tell her he was the happy husband of miss fitz Heyman. long as she had been accustomed to dwell on this idea she shrank with terror from its supposed reality and pale and trembling drew back as he eagerly advanced towards her my heavenly girl my own celestina cried he as he took her hand this address from the married willoughby seemed an insult she withdrew her hand with an air of resentment would have spoken but could not and unable to support herself sat down willoughby whose own anxious emotions had too much prevented his considering how she might be affected by his abrupt appearance now saw that he had been to precipitate he placed himself by her and again taking the hand she had withdrawn he inquired with more tenderness and less impetuity if she was sorry to see him again celestina would have spoken but her native pride again refused to assist her and while she was vainly endeavouring to acquire resolution enough to congratulate him on his supposed marriage she learnt that he had not only broken for ever with miss fitzhaman but was come to offer himself to her who had from his childhood been the sole possessor of his affections this sudden and unexpected happiness was too much her reason which in the severest calamity had never quite deserted her now seemed unequal to tidings so overwhelming and for a moment or two she sat like a statue till willoughby in that well-known voice and with that graceful and manly tenderness which had rendered him 
ever so dear to her, related all that had passed from the hour of their last parting, and the resolution he had adopted of sacrificing that wealth which could not bestow happiness to the long and incurable passion he had conceived for an object so deserving, and without whom no advantages of fortune or situation could give his life the smallest value. Tears of gratitude and affection now fell from the eyes of Celestina, and as he found the tumult of her spirits subside, he went on to relate to her, with most generous delicacy, the plans he had formed for their future life, and the means by which he hoped to retrieve his affairs, without sacrificing his happiness. Tenderly, however, as he touched on these subjects, his violated promise to his mother returned with all its force to the recollection of Celestina. Willoughby, whose eyes were fixed on hers, saw the painful idea by their expression as soon as it arose, and in a voice that trembled from emotion he could not repress, he endeavoured to obviate the objections he feared she was about to make, even before she could utter them. All his eloquence, however, could not silence that monitor in the breast of Celestina, which told her there was more of sophistry than of sound reason in his arguments. But fondly attached to him as she was, it was sophistry too enchanting for her to have courage to attempt detecting it. She wished to be convinced Willoughby was right, to see him happy, had almost from her earliest recollection been the second wish of her heart, for perhaps to have the power of making him so had always, even unknown to herself, been the first, that happiness seemed now to depend upon her, and she determined, after one of those short struggles in which, when inclination and duty contend, the former has too often the advantage to stistle within her own bosom every painful remembrance to think as he thought and in rendering happy the son of her benefactress to acquit herself through her future life of the debt of gratitude she owed her celestina therefore made no objection to the proposals Willoughby laid before her, which were that they should be married privately in about ten days, and take up their abode in Elveston in the same style they meant always to reside in. These preliminaries being arranged, Willoughby besought her to permit him to introduce Vavasour to her, who had been waiting below. He went down himself to bring up his friend, and Celestina, in the moment of his absence, endeavoured to recall her presence of mind, and habituate herself to think with less agitation on the happiness of being the wife of her beloved Willoughby. Vassiver, from the ardour with which his friend had spoken of her personal perfections, 
was prepared to find her very lovely and willoughby on their first interview watched his looks trying to discover if his expectations had been answered they were completely so the agitation she had suffered had raised the glow of her cheeks and given more softness to her eyes in which the tears yet trembled while the natural dignity of her manner received in his opinion new charms from the remains of embarrassment which she endeavoured to shake off and in which after a few moments she succeeded so well that they all became as much as their ease as if they had all been as long acquainted as willoughby and celestina jessie who had left the room on willoughby's first entrance was now desired by celestina to return during her short absence while she prepared a repast of cold meat for the hungry travellers who had walked from alvastone celestina related to them as much of her history as interested both of them in her favour and willoughby who found in every sentiment and and every action of celestina something to increase his tenderness and admiration was charmed with the generous pity she had shown to her humble friend and promised her all his influence to obtain for her the provision she had a right to expect from her grandfather and unite her to her deserving lover willoughby hung with fondness approaching to admiration on every word celestina uttered and forgot for this time the delight of seeing her must be short vassiver gay volatile and enjoying with extreme good humour the happiness of his friend was little accustomed to think at all and jessie was in too humble a situation to offer her opinion on celestina only therefore the prudence of the whole party depended as the snow was very deep and they had between eight and nine miles to alvastone she at last ventured to hint that it was time they should go to willoughby the necessity of quitting her had never occurred and he now heard of it as a sentence of banishment but celestina repeating that she should be very uneasy if in such weather they delayed so long a walk to a late hour in the evening he saw that he should make her really uncomfortable by his stay and having obtained leave to see her the next day and every day till they were to part no more he at last consented to go and that he and his companion might reach alveston before the night fell when he released the hand of celestina which he kissed a thousand times as he bade her adieu she turned towards the window and her eyes followed him across the heath till the firs and thorns at a distance concealed him from her sight the very traces of his footsteps in the snow were dear to her and in that frame of mind which renders it hardly conscious of its own sensations she still gazed upon them when she could distinguish him no longer 
Jessie, though she could easily account for her silence, became after some time uneasy, and speaking to her, roused her from her reverie. She then sat down in her usual place, and attempted to quiet the perturbation of her mind by reassuming her usual occupations, but the sudden transition within the last three hours from lifeless despondence to a prospect of the utmost felicity she had ever imagined was too violent to suffer her spirits to return to their usual calm. The recollection of her deceased benefactress and the fatal promise Willoughby had given her recurred in despite of her endeavours to escape from it, and though resolute as he appeared to be to reconcile himself to his violation, there was nobody who had power by their interference to prevent the execution of the determination he had made, though nothing was likely to prevent the marriage on which he had resolved upon, yet the mind of Celestina remained impressed with a confused sensation rather than any distinct prospect of the happiness she had been offered, and the transactions of the day appeared like a dream, from which she feared, by examining its reality, to be awakened. End of Volume 1, Chapter 12 Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C.